This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Appreciate some of your time this morning. Uh, middle of the week, plenty of baseball action yesterday, but of course uh, we have to start with the massive sigh of relief that I have to believe that most of America took yesterday. Uh, with the uh, George Floyd uh, murder verdict coming down, uh, Derek Chauvin found guilty on all three counts. And uh, when I say sigh of relief, I'm not kidding. I mean, I was, you know, I think everybody was on edge. I mean, look, governors had called out the National Guard around uh, the country in many places uh, out of concern that the verdict wouldn't come down the way that it did. And look, there was... It had to. It had to happen the way it did. And and I I think you would be naive to think that when those jurors went into the room to deliberate what to do about this case, that wasn't part of their thinking. And and that's not to say that Derek Chauvin was not guilty, because there is no doubt in my mind. You watch that video, uh, there is no doubt what he did was excessive. There is no doubt, and there is no doubt that there are a, a small percentage of police officers around this country that have uh, the same issue, that have this God complex, that have this, uh, you know, you put on a badge and all of a sudden you think you can do whatever you want to do. 99% of the cops in this country, you know, are doing their jobs the way they're supposed to do their jobs, but unfortunately there are some that don't. That, that have this, you know, this, this attitude and, 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 you know, and it, there's no question that's what happened with Derek Chauvin. None. So, uh, we didn't have to worry about riots last night. Thank God. You know, and I was, you know, I gotta be honest. I was concerned that no matter what happened, people were going to take this as an opportunity to create mayhem. Fortunately, that did not happen. Um, but and and he could go away i guess uh, you know the max he could get is 65 years on all three counts but uh they said that uh, with the sentencing the, on second degree murder the maximum is 40 they take into consideration his uh criminal history which he has none and uh other mitigating factors they said he's probably going to get about 12 and a half years and you know then then the question becomes and people are talking about this well this isn't justice well what the hell is it then See, you can't say it's not justice, okay? Uh, you know, unless you're an eye for an eye believer and you think that Derek Chauvin should be killed for this, uh, this is justice. This is the way it works. Crimes are committed all the time, and justice is making sure that the people that commit the crimes are held accountable. 
So, it, you know, people are saying, well, it's accountability, but it's not justice. No, that's not true. It is justice. It is the best that we can do. We can't bring George Floyd back. So to try to tell me this isn't justice is, uh, is just wrong. You know, I'm sorry, but it is justice. He got what he deserved. You know, and I have to be, you know, and, and he did not show any emotion. Now, you can't really tell completely because he had a mask on. But, you know, I mean, by and large, it didn't seem like, you know, his body language didn't change when the verdict came down or anything. I mean, he expected this. When the jury came back after just 10 hours, you knew this was a done deal. Because to me, they weren't going to come back in 10 hours and say not guilty. In order for this to be a not guilty verdict or a hung jury or anything on any of the charges, they were going to have to argue for a while. Because any reasonable human being that watched this trial and watched the evidence knew that there had to be some accountability here. And when it came back after just 10 hours, you knew they, they reached that decision very quickly and that it was not going to be in Derek Chauvin's favor, and he knew it, and his attorneys knew it. So uh, I was very happy. I mean, I was watching the NBC coverage yesterday when the verdict came down, and there were people, you know, they were at the crowd gathered out at the courthouse, and I was so happy to see that it was peaceful. And there was relief for a lot of people. There were a lot of people in tears across the country yesterday, you know, and for people of color, you know, maybe this is the first step towards, you know, not having to have this be a constant problem, you know, about having to worry about the police. Because now that Derek Chauvin's going to jail for murder, every police officer in this country, whether, you know, whether you know, even if you're doing the best job in the world, you are going to have to think twice before you do something stupid like this. And we can't be done. We have to go farther than that. We have to pass legislation in this country to outlaw things like chokeholds, to outlaw the ability for a, a police officer to kneel on somebody's neck. That has to be against the law. You know, and, you know, the federal government is is uh, getting involved in this. And I, I don't know whether the federal government should be. Uh, this should be on the state level. But regardless, it, it needs to be done. You know, it needs to be done. We need to, to, to start training police officers to use a taser maybe sometimes before you use a, a weapon or before you use your gun. Uh, you know, an example yesterday, just a, an hour or two before the verdict was read, some 15-year-old girl was shot by a cop in Columbus, Ohio. Now, she had a knife, okay? I mean, nobody is arguing, you know, and, and debating the fact that she had a knife and she was threatening people. But the last time I checked, you know, there's always that joke of bringing a gun to a knife fight. Well, she had a knife. Why didn't they take her down with a taser? Why is the first reaction to pull your weapon? Why didn't you pull the taser? That's, that's where I think some of this has to change. You know, there are ways, you know, that, believe me, you know, and I've never been shot with a taser, but whenever you see anybody that's been shot by a taser, if you hit them with a taser, they're dropping that knife. <laughs> and they're dropping that gun. 
Now, you know, if somebody's pointing a gun at a police officer, they're absolutely justified in, in firing back. But by and large, why aren't we worried more about pulling a taser before we pull a, a, a pistol? But anyway, uh, so, so you know, look, uh, it's going to be two months before we get the verdict. I mean, the, uh, the sentencing. But at this point, it's a done deal. Let's hope that everybody remains calm. Let's hope that every police department in this country pulls all their officers in and says, okay, guys, there you go. You know, let's, t- you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've got to have some additional training, whatever it is. And, you know, I said, well, you know, it's going to take money, it, b- baloney. I don't want anyone to hear what, how much money it's going to take. Figure it out. If you've got to spend, you know, if every state and every town has to spend extra money to train their officers differently or to give them additional training, then do it. I don't want to hear we don't have the money. Find it. Find it. People of color should not have to fear the police. And, you know, people will say, well, you know, if they weren't doing something wrong, they wouldn't have to worry about the cops. Baloney. You don't have to be doing anything wrong in this country. To, all you have to do is be a person of color and driving a nice car in a neighborhood. Uh, and people will say, geez, this black guy's got a really nice car and he's in this neighborhood. Why? As if a, guy, as if a, a black guy can't own a nice car and live in a nice neighborhood. And we see that all the time. We've seen it here in the state of Connecticut. You know, uh, doctors being pulled over because they're black driving a Mercedes. What are you doing here? I live here. You know, we've got to stop that kind of stuff. You know, and uh, so let's hope that this is a first step. And let's be thankful that it came down the way that it did yesterday. And let's stay calm. Let's keep things moving in the right direction. You know, because uh, burning down, you know, and, and this, this I, I will say this. One thing that bothered me yesterday, uh, Gabe Gutierrez, I think, was the reporter for NBC. And he was talking to a, a young woman that was in this crowd uh, outside the courthouse. And she said, well, this is the reason why we burn down buildings. No, you don't burn down buildings. You can protest, but you don't burn down buildings. You don't set things on fire. You don't destroy public property because you're pissed off. I mean, I get that changes need to be made, but if violence, if violence begets violence, you know, you do violence, you're going to bring out the cops and you're going to bring out riot gear and everything else. And it's just, got, it, it, violence is not the answer. You can protest, but it doesn't have to be a violent protest. And I'm not just talking about people of color. I'm talking about anybody. I'm talking about the idiots that stormed the Capitol. You know, it doesn't matter what color your skin is. Violence is not the answer. So anyway, enough of that rant. As I'm sure people are clicking off their computers all around the country saying enough, enough. But, you know, let's hope that this is is a first step. Let's hope that everybody uh, stays calm and, and look, justice was done. Whether you believe it or not. This was justice. Uh, and, and no, George Floyd can't come back, but people can be held accountable, and that is the best that we can do. And as I said, 99% of the cops in this country are, are you know, doing a good job. Guys like Derek Chauvin are not. And the, the, the interesting thing is there's going to be another trial coming up. He, there's three other cops that have been uh, ac- accused of being accomplices to this. And they basically were there and stood around and did nothing. 
Now, they're not being charged with second-degree murder, but they're basically being charged as an accessory. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. But, you know, you, you hear that, that um, there's that old phrase, the thin blue line where, you know, cops stand up for each other and, you know, cop, cops aren't going to rat each other out. Well, in this trial, we saw a lot of cops testifying against Derek Chauvin, saying, hey, look, he was going against policy. You know, this isn't how we're trained. You know, you know and we saw a lot of people uh, piling on. And, you know, if you are one of those three cops that was there and standing around and watching Derek Chauvin do this, there has to be some accountability there. There has to be. Why did not one of those police officers, now maybe they did and I just don't know, but why did not one of those police officers say to Derek Chauvin, hey, dude, let him up. He's handcuffed. Let him up. Get off his neck. You know, why was that not done? You know, so that, you know, they may not have killed George Floyd, but if the three of them together had said to Derek Chauvin, get off of him, or actually physically restrained him. Look, if, if there's cops that are willing to go on uh, on the trial and say, hey, yeah, this is against policy and he was wrong, those three cops that were standing there with him should have done something. They should. The three of them could have gotten Derek Chauvin off George Floyd's neck. They didn't. So something's going, you know, who knows what's going to happen. There's probably going to be some plea deals. After what happened to Chauvin, these guys are going to be like, uh-oh, we're in trouble, and they're going to try to cut a deal. So anyway, let's let's hope that uh, that peace stays. Uh, the sports world reacted. Everybody obviously, you know, sending out uh, messages about you know peace and unity and justice and all that kind of stuff. One idiot, the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders. Did you see this? And, and I look. I want to say that he was trying to do this in the right way, or that he had the best of intentions. But the owner of the Raiders, uh, Mark Davis, sent out a tweet yesterday on the on the Raiders uh, Twitter feed, official Twitter feed, and it said, I can breathe, and with the date underneath it, 4-20-2021. Now, I understand that, you know, he was probably saying, hey, you know, he was probably trying to support the fact that, that justice was done, but I don't think that that was a very smart thing to do. And he left it up there. Now, why is it such a big deal? Because if you remember, there was a controversy back. The police department in Baltimore put out a sarcastic tweet about that. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what the incident was. Uh, but, you know, it was basically mocking what people were doing to talk about George Floyd. And, you know, this was just, and, and, and the worst part about this was is when people pointed it out, he didn't take it down. And matter of fact, he doubled down on it, trying to explain why he did what. Just take it down. You know, just take it. Just don't be stupid. So anyway, uh, that's, uh, you know, I had to talk about it. I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, like I said, I hope people aren't clicking off their, their computers around the country. But uh, uh, I know this is supposed to be a sports show. But, you know, this is this is a humanity issue. And we're all humans. And, uh, and and the sports world is affected. You know, look, I'm telling you what, if they had not come down with this verdict and things had gotten ugly yesterday, the sports world would have shut down. We wouldn't have seen NBA games last night. We probably wouldn't have seen a lot of Major League Baseball games last night. Stuff would have shut down. There's no question. No question. So, all right, uh, let's get to uh, action on the field yesterday. And the Boston Red Sox, uh, we'll start with them. They keep things rolling. Uh, they beat another ace. You know, after beating up on Lucas Giolito, the ace of the – uh, Chicago White Sox staff on Monday, 
They doubled down yesterday. Hinge and Ryu started for Toronto. And look, Ryu's been great starting the season. He had come into the game with an ERA of uh, 1.8. And for the first three innings of yesterday's game, it looked like the Red Sox were in big trouble. I mean, Ryu went through the first three innings, and the Red Sox, I think, only saw 29 pitches, had two hits off of them in the first three innings. And you said, uh-oh. Now, the only good news was is, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez was dealing for the Red Sox as well and putting up zeros against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the only blemish was a uh, a solo shot by Dante Pichette in the top of the fourth inning actually gave Toronto a one nothing lead in the top of the fourth. Well, then the bottom of the fourth happened and the Red Sox responded. Four runs in the bottom of the inning, um, including a three-run bomb by Xander Bogarts, his first homer of the season, uh, an RBI triple by Bobby Dahlbeck, who had two more hits yesterday. He is really starting to figure it out. J.D. Martinez uh, had a hit in that inning. Christian Arroyo with a huge game yesterday. Uh, i tell you what, this guy might be the story of the Red Sox so far. Christian Arroyo is a guy who was a first-round draft pick of the San Francisco Giants a number of years ago. Never, you know, he got a, a few cups of coffee with them and, uh, with Toronto and or not Toronto with uh, Tampa and one other team I can't remember who it was but never really caught on because he never got, really got consistent playing time well he's getting consistent playing time with the Red Sox he's hitting 357 I mean you cannot ask for a better start than you're getting out of a guy that uh, nobody saw this coming he's only 25 years old he seems like he's been around forever but he was drafted eight years ago he was the number 25 overall pick in the 2013 draft. And uh, finally, finally uh, getting an opportunity to show the baseball world what he can do. Coming into this year, he had never had more than 100 at-bats. He got 100 at-bats with the San Francisco Giants back in 2017. Played 34 games. After that, he had, you know, uh, 50 at-bats in 2018 and 2019 and 2020 never really got a chance well 13 games so far this year 42 at bats 15 hits uh seven doubles and uh he has been tearing the cover off the ball now can he sustain it i don't know but i'll tell you what he is showing uh great plate discipline and uh, playing a very good second base a guy who is an underrated defensive uh, uh second baseman I think the Red Sox may have found their new second baseman. Again, I know it's early, and I know they have Kike Hernandez, but Hernandez is can play all over the place, and he's probably best in center field. Um, man, I'll tell you what, he, he's been a lot of fun to watch. But anyway, uh, Erod yesterday, six innings. He'd only given up one run. Alex Cora let him come out for, to start the seventh. Randall Gritchick took him deep again, so he ends up giving up two runs and three hits, uh, and both the runs he gave up were on solo homers. He struck out six, walked one. He was great. You know, he's 3-0 and now for a guy that didn't pitch all of last year. And a lot of people were being critical of uh, of Cora for sending him back out for the seventh inning after a great first six. And, hey, look, he'd only thrown 88 pitches. So I have absolutely no issue with Alex Cora sending him back out for the seventh. He had been absolutely uh, baffling Toronto batters all day. So I have no issue with it. You know, and you people that are, you know, criticizing, you know, stop. You know, I mean, you're just looking for something to bitch about, you know, and there's no reason a, a, a 
Major League Baseball pitcher can't pitch into the seventh inning when you've thrown fewer than, than 100 pitches. Just stop. But the Red Sox bullpen does their job again. Andres, Adovino, and Matt Barnes with uh, scoreless innings. Barnes picks up his third save of the season, and the Red Sox move to 12-6. and six. Uh, Play again tonight. Uh, 7 o'clock game, in the last of the two-game series against the Toronto Blue Jays before the Seattle Mariners come to town. But, uh, again, you know, Alex Cora said this yesterday after the game. He said, look, I've told you guys from the beginning, you know, this is a good team. We are a balanced team. We can do everything. You know, I've been trying to tell you, nobody wants to listen. So, good for him. And there was a chance, actually, I guess, that uh, – Cora was almost wasn't at the game yesterday. Nobody knows exactly what happened, but he ended up showing up late to the ballpark because there was some he they called it some kind of a uh, situation. He said last night, so he had to go through testing and stuff. So I don't know whether he had contact with somebody who had tested positive, or whatever. But he had to have a couple of tests prior to, and they both came back negative, so he was able to go to the ballpark. But you know that's you know that's just part of what we're dealing with now. So, uh, other good news for Red Sox fans. Uh, Chris Sale was uh, throwing on the field prior to the game. He wasn't on the mound or anything, but he was, uh, you know, just throwing some some pitches from flat ground. And by all reports, he was throwing the ball pretty hard. It wasn't like he was lobbing it. He was putting some pretty good velocity on the ball. Uh, he is going to be headed down to the spring training complex in Fort Myers, Florida, on Sunday uh, to continue his rehab work. But he is getting very close to throwing off a mound and. Uh, you know, look, there's no need to rush him. You know, if we can get him back, uh, you know, say August, and he's able to become a member of that rotation and you slot him in and then you can take out a Nick Pavetta uh, out of the rotation or a Martin Perez out of the rotation so that you could put Chris Sale in, even if it's only for, hey, he's got a 70-pitch limit, I'll take that all day long over Nick Pavetta and uh, Martin Perez. Nothing against those guys. But a healthy Chris Sale is better than both those guys any day of the week. Any day. Uh, the Yankees got back on the winning track yesterday. Although, uh, I wouldn't get too excited if I'm a Yankee fan. Look, they, they won 3-1. to one, uh, But Atlanta gave them this game. The Yankees only had five hits in this game. You know, Gio Urshela had hit a, a home run in the fifth inning to tie the game up. And then they went into the bottom of the eighth in a 1-1 game. Uh, and uh, they got a, uh, a a run on a wild pitch and another one on a bases-loaded walk. So they weren't tearing the cover off the ball, folks. I mean, they'll take a win any way they can get it, and it's something that they needed. And uh, Aaron Boone had talked about shaking up the lineup. He did that. He benched Clint Frazier yesterday, started Brett Gardner. Uh, uh Mike Tauchman was uh, in left field. Mike Ford was at first base. You know, so he gave uh, Aaron Hicks got the day off along with Clint Frazier. Uh, he has talked about Ford is probably going to see a bunch of time at first base now that they don't have a lot of options there. Jay Bruce retired uh, after the game on Sunday. So Ford was at first base. So, you know, he's trying some different things, but uh, it didn't really – result in offense last night again they'll take the win but this was more about the Atlanta bullpen uh, throwing this one away than it was anything else uh, Jamison Tyon got the start for the Yankees yesterday pitch well only one run in four hits over five innings 
and the Yankee bullpen did their job. That Yankee bullpen's ridiculous. Uh, the Yankee bullpen has an ERA at 2.37, which is the second best in the major leagues this year, behind uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, who the Red Sox played last night. And the Blue Jays' bullpen last night uh, threw three innings of scoreless relief, so they continue to do their job as well. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. did not play for Atlanta last night. Uh, he was undergoing treatment for uh, that strained abdomen that he got when diving back into first base on a pickoff throw. Uh, he might play today. I think they're they're kind of waiting to see. Um, and uh, you know, but uh, that was a break for the Yankees as well. So take the win if you can get it. But I wouldn't get too giddy yet, Yankee fans. Uh, Corey Kluber will start for the Yankees today uh, against Ian Anderson in the finale of that two-game series. It's thirty minutes past the hour. We got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. A programming note, uh, no show tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. Uh, my stepson Joe is coming to town, and uh, we are going to be playing RV renovators this week. And my daughter uh, is getting ready to uh, – she wants to live in an RV full-time. I don't understand that, but that's what she – that's that's what she wants to do so uh we have been uh, working on uh, renovating an rv that she bought she bought an older one and she uh we gutted it basically and uh, we're working on it and uh, so uh, my stepson is coming up and we're going to be spending the next uh, four or five days uh working on this rv full time so that she can move in there uh sometime by the end of may so she can go camping and do a, and and live in there with her cats god bless her I, I would rather put spikes through my hand. You know, it's like it's like you watch these shows uh, on HGTV, these people that live in these tiny houses, and they want to have these tiny houses built. I would kill myself. I can't even imagine living in a tiny house, in, a, in an RV. Now, this RV she got, it's a big one. It's 33 feet. It's one of those fifth-wheel ones. It's really big, as RVs go. I, there's no way in hell I'm living in something like that. And you, you see these little tiny houses that are 300 square feet. And I'm like, how is somebody, my wife and I look at each other and go, yeah, no, we would, <laughs> we, we would murder each other within a week. You know, I'm not even, you know, we, and we joke, said, well, you know, maybe we could do it if it was in a beautiful location. Maybe we could stay in one for a weekend for a vacation. I'm not even sure we could do that. I mean, I don't understand that. So anyway, but my daughter wants to do that. So we're going to be down there. We're going to be laying flooring and, uh, we've already built a, uh, a new, uh, kitchen area for her. Uh, but I've got to finish the plumbing on the sink and we've got to lay flooring and we're going to build a couch for her. And so we got a, we got a busy four or five days coming up. So no show Thursday, no show Friday, but we'll be back, uh, uh, next week. So, uh, hang in there, but, uh, I, I apologize. I try to keep this thing rolling as best I can, but sometimes real life gets in the way. Um, We'll get back to some baseball talk in a minute, but did did you see this? This is bizarre. The PGA Tour has set up this, uh, I don't even know whether you call it a fund or whether you, it's called a, it's called the Player Impact Program. And what they have done is they have set up a pool of money, $40 million worth of money, by the way, and that money will go to the top 10 players in the tour, on the tour, on the PGA Tour, that, uh, as they say, move the needle in golf. And it is not going to matter how they perform in the tournaments every week. So you can go out there and stink, 
But if you are helping the game of golf, you will get some of this money. Now, um, it's weird because I guess they're, they're going to use what they call, uh, there's this measure of popularity called the Q rating. Um, and, and it basically, that's, that's um, how popular you are based on number of Google searches, uh, your branding, how much you are on social media, how often you are mentioned by other people. Uh, it is just, so it's kind of a, I mean, there are metrics behind it, but it's kind of a subjective thing. And it's only going to benefit 10 guys. Now, you know, it's going to be the 10 guys who need the money the least. It's going to be the guys like Rory McIlroy, you know, like Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, uh, guys that get talked about all the time because they do well and because these guys are also smart and they engage uh, some of them like, you know, on social media, Jordan Spieth and, and uh, uh, Tiger Woods. You know, he's not playing at all, but he moves the needle. Is he gonna is he gonna get some of this money by sitting at home rehabbing a broken leg? I, you know, it's just weird. Um, you know, it would be kind of like the NFL or Major League Baseball setting up a pool of money for players, um, just because they're popular. You know what I mean? It's weird. So I I don't know exactly why they've done this. I think some of it has to do they're trying to avoid. Uh, any kind of a breakaway tour. There was some talk about a breakaway P, uh, a golf tour that was going to be set up by money from uh, people from Saudi Arabia, for instance, and they were going to try to attract some of the top golfers on an international tour away from the PGA. Kind of like what just happened in Europe where they were trying to set up this super league uh, where the top teams from... Uh, the English Premier League and from Spain and from Italy would leave their uh, respective groups to play in this Super League. So there's been some thought about trying to draw golfers away. And so I, my guess is that's what this is what the PGA Tour is doing. They're trying to make sure that they don't lose golfers to this rival tour. Now, this rival tour hasn't even gotten off the ground. So this is almost like and most a lot of the players have said, no, I'm not interested. But this just sounds like a, a, you know, a way to try to keep these golfers from being interested in something like this. But it's just weird, you know. And isn't it nice? Isn't it nice that as a as an organization, you have forty million dollars, you can just say, "Hey, you know, here." It doesn't matter whether you win or not. We're <laughs> we're going to give you some money because you tweet a lot. I mean, that's essentially what they're saying. It's just weird. You know, it'd be like you and I going to our job and you know uh, having our our boss give us some extra money because our employees like us. You know, maybe you're maybe you're a manager at a uh, you know at a big company and you have 50 people that work for you and 48 of them think you're the greatest thing ever. Be out on a poll, and so your boss says, "Hey, I'm going to give you an extra thousand dollars this week." That happens never anywhere. <laughs> so it's just kind of weird. It's just, it's just, and it just, it just continues to reinforce how professional sports is just so out of whack. You know, I, I laugh about it all the time and I call this monopoly money, the kind of money that baseball players and football players, all these guys are making. It's just a joke. You know, now I get it. It's entertainment and it's whatever the market will bear. And I, I'm not trying to say that these guys shouldn't be able to make money, but nobody, no actor, no singer, no athlete 
is worth the kind of money that they're making. I'm sorry. You got guys out there busting their humps, you know, uh, doing things so that we can all live the lives that we like to live. You know, the grocery store workers or, you know, nurses, you know, that, you know, nurses make, can make a decent living, but they're not making what they're worth. Nurses should be making a hell of a lot more than, uh, than people that are playing baseball. Our teachers that are taking care of our children should be making more money than, you know, than they're making. It's just an absolute joke you know, how little we pay child care workers, for instance. You know, my daughter works in the child care field. The, the, these girls are, you know, these women that are, are taking care of our children in daycares are making a little bit over minimum wage. It's a joke how little we, we value, you know, our child care workers. You know, and, and yet, <laughs> yet we have Mike Trout making $40 bucks a year. And, you know, I say to my wife, well, you know, it's entertainment. People are going to go. I get it. They're, you know, it's what the market will bear. You know, so I and, and we live in a free market economy. I get it. But it just goes to show sometimes how out of touch we are, where it's more important to us that uh, that, you know, professional athletes make millions. And yet the person that's going to take care of some of the most precious things in the world, our children, you know, make uh, are, are working for nothing. You know, same thing with teachers. And, you know, look, teachers here in the state of Connecticut get paid very well. But that is the exception rather than the rule. Teachers in other parts of the country do not get paid well. The average salary for a teacher here in the state of Connecticut is something ridiculous. And I want to say it was something like, you know, seventy or $75,000. Now you say, well, you know, that's not, you're not getting rich on that. But let me tell you what, you know, if you're, uh, you know, a couple and, and one of you is making seventy five grand and the other one's making seventy five grand, you're doing pretty well for yourself. But that's not the case. Connecticut's a different, it's a different animal. Uh, California's a different animal. People down in the South, teachers in the South, they don't make squat. But the PGA Tour that's based in Florida where teachers don't make squat, uh, have $40 million to throw around to 10 golfers that tweet a lot. It's just bizarre. And look, and it's the PGA's money. They can do whatever they want. It's just weird. And it seems, I don't know, just kind of gross, you know? And frankly, you know, and, and look, these guys, these, these top 10 golfers that are going to get this money don't need it. I'd rather, if they got that, you know what they should do with it? They should donate it, you know, to, uh, to organizations that are, you know, maybe trying to grow the game of golf or bring golf to underprivileged people, you know, because golf is one of those sports where if you're living in the inner city or you're living in a poor area, you can't afford it. <laughs> the equipment alone and then the greens fees, I mean, to play a round of golf, you can't play a round of golf anywhere for, you know, probably under under 30 bucks if it's a municipal course, you know, uh, down south. You could probably play for 30 bucks up here. Most rounds of golf in Connecticut, you're going to pay $50, $60, $70, you know, unless it's at a little tiny course. You know, you want to play on a really nice course, it's going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars. You know, so it, these guys should be, you know, it, again, they're not going to need the money. They should donate it because it's just weird. And it just seems, and it seems in this day and age with everything that we're talking about with people that can't put, put food on their tables, 
you know, through this whole pandemic and we have restaurants going out of business and, you know, uh, you know, servers and, and uh, chefs that can't uh, find work because restaurants are closing. And yet, you know, we have $40 million to toss around. It's just, nah, just doesn't feel right. So, all right, enough of that rant. It's 44 minutes past here. Gonna take a break. We come back. We'll talk some more baseball and, uh, and, and the Boston Bruins with another good performance last night. We'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, as we look to get out of here on a Wednesday morning. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. It's 46 minutes past here. By the way, I talked about there is not going to be a show tomorrow. What I am going to do, actually tonight I am taping a podcast with my friends uh, Paul Arnold and uh, Eric Braun. It's called The Boys of Summer. We run it uh, during the week here on Sports Country Radio. I'm actually going to run the podcast. We're taping it tonight. I'm going to run it uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, during the slot we would normally have uh, the wake-up call on. So I won't be live tomorrow, but you will get to listen to me. If, if, you're, if you're really interested, uh, the podcast will be on tomorrow morning uh, starting at 9 a.m. here on Sports Country Radio, uh, and then we'll replay it later on in the afternoon. Um, the Boston Bruins last night uh, picked up their fifth straight win. Uh, they beat the Buffalo Sabres 2 to nothing last night. Uh, Tuka Rask picked up his first shutout of the season, made 32 saves. Um, it was the 51st shutout of his career. Brad Marchand with a goal uh, midway through the first period, and then Connor Clifton with one uh, in the second to make it 2 nothing, and that was it uh, for the game. And the Bruins uh, pick up a couple of much-needed points. Uh, they will play the Sabres again on Thursday and Friday in Buffalo. So it's three games in four days between these two teams. And look, uh, Sabres are the last place team. The Bruins are in a dogfight. They've got an opportunity with a couple of games in hand to move up another slot or two in the playoff uh, hunt and assure themselves a home game and maybe a more favorable matchup in the first round of the playoffs. But uh, a great win for the Bruins last night. Uh, the New York Mets last night lose to the Chicago Cubs. You know, Jake Arrieta, I got to give him a lot of credit. This is a guy that looked like uh, I thought he was toast. I really did. I thought uh, watching him pitch for the Philadelphia Phillies the last couple of years, I didn't think there was a lot left in that tank. I mean, if you look at what he did last year in Philly, I mean, I know, again, you know, it was that shortened season. We can't get too wrapped up in it, but he had an ERA of over five. You know, now in 2019 in a full year, he was awful. He had an ERA of 4.6 in 24 starts. His first year in Philly, he pitched to an ERA of 4 in 31 starts. It just he didn't look like there was much left there. Well, in his first four starts this year for the uh, uh, for the Chicago Cubs, going back to Chicago, uh, where he had so much success, won a Cy Young in Chicago, uh, he has looked really good. Uh, got another win last night. Uh, pitched the first five innings, gave up just three hits and one run. He did walk three guys, but again, he has pitched to a 2.86 ERA. Picks up the victory as the Chicago Cubs beat the Mets last night, uh, three to one. Taiwan Walker, who had been pretty good in his first couple of starts, uh, went three and two thirds last night. He only gave up two hits, but he walked six guys. I mean, he couldn't find the plate with a compass last night. The Met bullpen did a good job of keeping them in the game. But uh, Brandon Workman, remember him, Red Sox fans? <laughs> he came on yesterday and uh, in relief and uh, pitched two-thirds of an inning, didn't give up anything. And then uh, Craig Kimbrell, remember him, Red Sox fans? The guy that walked like eight guys in 11 innings in the postseason back in 2018? Well, and he was awful for the Cubs last year. 
Well, he picked up his fourth save. He has not given up a run this year. He struck out two. He did get himself in some trouble. He walked a couple of guys and gave up a hit in the ninth inning, so he had to get out of a, a bases-loaded jam, but uh, he picks up his fourth save and kept his ERA at zero uh, as the uh, Mets fall to the Chicago Cubs 3-1. to one. Uh, Those two teams will play again today, uh, actually tonight. Uh, David Peterson, who has uh, struggled for the Mets so far this season with an ERA over six, will take on Zach Davies, who has struggled even worse for the Chicago Cubs. He comes in at one and two with an ERA of over 10. Ouch. Uh, The hottest team in baseball right now, the hottest team in baseball this season, the Oakland Athletics. They swept a doubleheader from the Minnesota Twins yesterday. Uh, This is a Oakland A's team that started the season 0-6. And they are 10-1 since then. They now sit at 10-7. and It is unbelievable. Their 10-game winning streak, the longest in the majors so far this season, surpasses the nine straight wins that the Red Sox had. And now Oakland has moved into a first-place tie with the Seattle Mariners atop the AL West. That's been a, so far, that's been a great division. Uh, I mean, the team that everybody thinks is going to win the division, Houston sitting in last place with a 7-9 and record. Again, long way to go, but... Um, great job by the athletics last night uh, because they win both games of the doubleheader. Yeah, they won them both by shutout. The first game, it was a 7 nothing shutout. Sean Manaya uh, struck out seven, walked just one uh, in the shutout in the opening game. He got a lot of help uh, with from Mitch Moreland. Remember him, Red Sox fans? <laughs> Two home runs for Oakland in this game. Uh, in game number one, Matt Olson with a grand slam. Uh, in the fourth inning in that one as well. That accounted for the runs for the Athletics in game number one. And then in game number two, Jesus Lazardo got the start, gave up just two hits and a walk through five and a third innings. And then uh, Trevino and uh, Diekman finished it up, and they shut out the Twins in the second game one to nothing. Uh, a good performance by Jose Barrios. He pitched well, but uh, the bats just were asleep for the Twins uh, you know, maybe this is some of that uh, a hangover from that layoff they had with the COVID-19 problems. Matter of fact, the Twins had to put some guys on the COVID-19 list. Uh, Max Kepler is out. Uh, Kyle Garlick is out as well, has been put on that uh, the COVID-19 list. Uh, Jose Cruz or uh, Nelson Cruz, Jose Cruz, Nelson Cruz had to leave the game yesterday uh, after getting hit by a pitch in the second game. So they may be without him. And Miguel Sano uh, left the first game with a tight hamstring, missed the second game, and he's going to be reevaluated today. So Minnesota Twins reeling right now after getting swept yesterday. Um, The Tampa Rays gave the Kansas City Royals a dose of reality yesterday. The Royals, uh, who were sitting in first place in the AL Central, got whacked by the Rays yesterday. 14-7. 14-7. to seven. Rich Hill was not very good in his start for Tampa. Uh, they were down early, but uh, they whacked around Brad Keller. Uh, ended up, the Rays did, with uh, 17 hits to come up with 14 runs. Tampa now uh, getting rolling. They have won five in a row. They have averaged over seven runs a game in those five uh, after scoring just 3.8 in their first 13 games of the season. So Tampa... Uh, is starting to uh, pick things up, and, you know, Red Sox are going to have their hands full. We know that. I mean, look, nobody thought the Red Sox would be sitting where they are now, and Tampa's coming hard. Uh, The Los Angeles Dodgers picked up 
their 14th win of the season yesterday, 14-4. and four. Um, They beat the Seattle Mariners, who, as I said, are in a first-place tie now after the Dodgers beat them. Uh, great pitching duel yesterday. Julio Urias, seven shutout innings. He allowed just one hit and a walk while striking out 11. Uh, and then uh, uh, Gonzalez and Kenley Jansen came on to finish it up. Jansen picks up his fourth save of the season. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, a great start for the Seattle Mariners. Seven hits. I mean, seven innings, just two hits and a run. But uh, just one hit for Seattle Mariners batters in this one. And the Dodgers pick up win number 14. Uh, Carlos Rodon, who pitched a no-hitter his last time out, uh, didn't have as much success this time against the Cleveland Indians. He threw five innings, gave up just uh, five hits, one earned run, but he walked five guys. He did get the win, but it was not a thing of beauty. Uh, but they got to Zach Plesak, who gave up seven hits and six runs uh, for the Cleveland Indians yesterday. And the White Sox pick up the victory. They get their record finally to 500. They are now 9-9 nine and nine after the 8-5 victory yesterday. And Matt Harvey uh, from uh, Mystic Connecticut, Fitch High School in Groton, picked up his first win in two years yesterday. Uh, you know, look, this is the guy that was the dark Knight. He was the phenom with the New York Mets. And then he, his career has kind of just imploded. Well, he, uh, he battled yesterday, pitched five innings, gave up, uh, three runs in those five innings. Didn't walk anybody struck out four and the Baltimore Orioles beat the Miami Marlins yesterday, seven to five. So good for Matt Harvey. Uh, let's hope he can keep it rolling. Uh, you know, he's, uh, he's pitched okay this year. He hasn't been the Matt Harvey he doesn't have the velocity anymore. But uh, he has kept his team in just about every game, so good to see him finally uh, get a victory yesterday. That is going to do it for us here this morning. As I said, no show the next couple of days, but uh, tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, if you're missing my voice, you can come on and listen to the Boys of Summer podcast that I'm taping tonight uh, with my buddies uh, Paul and Eric. Uh, we'll have that for you tomorrow morning. Until then, we're going to leave you this morning with some music from George Strait. Give it away. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.